Welcome, and thanks for joining us for Episode 5 of the C-Level Strategic Guide for SIAM Investment Podcast, brought to you by CIO.com and sponsored by Okta. I'm Barbara Call, Senior Director of Content Strategy and Operations with IDG. In our last few episodes, we defined customer identity and access management and explored the many challenges facing today's CIOs and CSOs. We also introduced the SIAM maturity curve, which can help organizations determine where they fall on the spectrum. And we outlined phases one, two, and three on that scale. Today, we'll be exploring phase four on the scale called continuous. I'm joined today by Keith Casey, API problem solver at Okta. Welcome, Keith. Hey, Barbara, thanks for having me here. So just a quick refresh for our listeners. Can you outline our working definition of customer identity and access management? Yeah, absolutely. So customer identity and access management, or, or SIAM, uh, fundamentally it's about making sure the right people have access to the right things for the right amount of time. I know that that's kind of a mouthful. So what, the way I think of it is uh, when you check in for that flight in normal times, when you check in for that flight, we want to make sure that it's you checking in for that flight. When you want to use your frequent flyer miles, we want to make sure that it's you using those frequent flyer miles. When you uh, log into your, your healthcare portal, the provider needs to make sure that it's you getting access to those test results from your physical. Uh, there are legal security implications around all that, but there's, there's also just ease of use and user experience issues around all that. Because if we can provide a, a seamless, secure experience that protects you as the customer and the organization uh, from legal, from privacy, from reputational risks. So the, the right access to the right people for the right amount of time is kind of the summary, but there's so much more than that. All right. Thank you. So as I mentioned in the intro, we have been talking about a maturity scale. And in our previous podcast, we've touched on phases one, two, and three. And I wonder, just real quick, could you recap those for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So phase one, we're talking about the very basics. We have a project that's just getting off the ground, trying to figure out how do we get our first 10 or first thousand or first 10,000 users. And things are very embryonic. Things are very squishy and undefined. So we need to make sure that, one, we can ship. Because if we can't ship, nothing else matters. But two, we can start laying the groundwork to make sure that all, that step and the next steps coming are all secure and uh, protect everyone involved. So then we get to the next layer. And we start thinking about the automation. And the automation says, well, it helps us be able to scale from that 10,000 users to maybe a million users. It helps us understand, well, the customer base is growing faster than our team. And that success, if we don't manage it well, is going to bite us. So we need to think about compliance. And that's regulatory, that's privacy, that's all those different layers. And we need to think about what are the force multipliers that let our small little team do big things. Then we move on to the next layer of intelligence. Once we have that automation in place and we understand, here's what our customers do. Here's what they want to do. Here's what good behavior looks like. Here's what bad behavior looks like. We can layer intelligence on top of it to be able to automate those things. Because as, as hard as we try, we're never going to know this is good behavior and this is bad behavior in every scenario. So we need to think about things like machine learning and different rules um, and that, that's high-level rules. That's the kind of mindset that goes behind them as opposed to hard-coded rules. 
We need to think about the rules that let our, our team scale even further than they did at the last layer. So, yeah, it all leads through all that. And there's a lot of complexity around there. And frankly, we need to figure out how to simplify things. Okay, thanks. So now we're going to talk about phase four, which is continuous. So let's start with what are some of the challenges in this stage? Yeah, so the, the challenges are, are even bigger because now we're not talking about a million users. Maybe we're talking about uh, a 10 million or 100 million. And we're not talking about just the sheer number of users. We're also talking about the complexity of what they need to do. If we have something like a PayPal account, where we never have more than maybe a couple hundred dollars into it, the security requirements there are important, but it gets a lot more important when we start thinking about your 401k. Because odds are, hopefully, you have more than $100 in that. And we have to think about how do, we, how do we protect our consumers? How do we protect our customers? And at the same time, let them do what they came to do. Because if they can't accomplish their goal, we, we really have some problems. So we need to think about we've, we've reached a, a position of market leadership. We have a huge number of users. We need to support and extend our user interfaces, our interactions to customers, no matter where they are, no matter what they need to do. So we need to think about how do we do that stuff going forward. Okay. So let's talk about the companies that have reached this phase. What, what are the characteristics? What does that company look like? So the companies are, uh, they're across industry, they're across geography. Uh, they're usually not the, the three people developing that app in their bedroom. They've expanded beyond that because after all, we've reached the point where we have a lot of users. One of the things that all these companies have in common is they want to close the loop. They want to understand when we launch these things in our product, when our customers do X, how do we take understanding from that and feed it back into the product? And that's from a, a product level, making sure product managers can make good decisions. But here, we're talking about from a security perspective. We're talking about a risk perspective. If we know this is what common behavior looks like, and this is what common behavior always looks like, when we see things that step outside those boundaries, we can start setting off the, the fire alarm and say, well, wait a second, we need to stop and look at this. What's going on here? Is this a legitimate use case that we just haven't seen? Or is this a problem waiting to happen? And so we need to be able to, to do that. And then we need the, uh, the big red emergency button to be able to stop everything, to be able to freeze a, a transaction or an action or a user in progress and be able to fire off security workflows on top of that to make sure that, uh, that we're protecting our users. Because fundamentally, at this point, any breach any vulnerability that we have is almost guaranteed to be catastrophic. When you're supporting 100 million users, when you're supporting 10 million users, if you have a breach across all that data, you have bad things coming. Um, under GDPR, the EU issued a fine to, I believe it was British Airways two or three years ago. And it was the largest single fine in GDPR history. It was 180 million uh, pounds, which I think at that point was $250 million for a privacy breach. We can't let that happen. Yeah, no, no, we can't. That, those are bad things, your point. So catastrophically bad. Yeah, catastrophic. You're absolutely right. 
So what's the solution? And then maybe what are some of the benefits that go along with that besides the fines, obviously? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I would be happy to talk about fines. Let's stay on the the product side of things. Um, We need to make sure that, like I said, that loop is being closed, that the risk signals, the behavior of or the bad actors is being detected and responded to. And we need to think about uh, not just like risk signals internal to our system, but risk signals across the ecosystem. So if you're in banking and you have a banking app, knowing that your competitors in terms of the banking are also under attack is probably useful. Understanding more specifically this user is under attack is very useful because if if some other third-party system, some social network was compromised and somebody downloaded a bunch of passwords, knowing these accounts are under attack could actually help you change your security posture. So we, we need to think about that. We need to think about continuous authentication within the system itself. So maybe you log into your bank account and you want to check your balance. Okay, that's a read-only transaction. The consequences of of a breach there are there, but they're pretty low. So maybe we don't think about additional layers of authentication on top of that. But now we want somebody is using your account and they want to send a wire transfer. In fact, they want to send a a six-digit wire transfer. Now, you know it's you putting the down payment on your house, but the institution needs to be able to protect you. And so understanding this is or is not a common use case, we do or do not have additional assurance of this. Well, if we don't, let's go ahead and kick off a multi-factor process where before any money leaves your account, you have to sign in and you have to use a, um, like hit a, a, an acceptance button in a mobile app, just being able to have that additional assurance of, yes, we're pretty sure this is Barbara. See, here's the proof that we have. That helps. That, not just, that doesn't only protect them, but it protects you. When we sort of layer on top of that, uh, we, we can start thinking about the standards that drive all that. So there's, in the open banking space, there's a number of things. There's open banking as a protocol, as a mindset. Uh, a good portion of the world ex- has started implementing that across the EU, the UK, uh, parts of Central and South America, Australia. The U.S. has been slower there, but I think there's a ton of uh, capabilities. Next up, we can start thinking about integrating across all the channels we use. So one of the scenarios I like to think about is uh, Albertsons, the grocery store chain, is a, a big customer of ours. Uh, so Albertsons, the brand itself, also has Safeway and Randall's and probably a bunch of grocery stores you've heard of. Being able to connect to the customer from the kiosk at the checkout to the mobile device to email actually ends up being really useful. So one of the things I've, I've talked to them about and I think is a, a great idea, don't know that they're doing this, so there's not a promise of anything. But what if you forget your wallet at home? And you get to the store, you're going through the checkout line, you've rung up everything, and you realize, oh, no, I don't have my wallet. If you have billing information attached to a mobile app, being able to say, well, wait a second, let me pull out my phone, scan a QR code on the kiosk, go through an authentication process, accept that charge on my phone, is a quick and easy way to be able to have that experience move across devices, move across different ecosystems quickly, easily, and securely. But now they just made the entire checkout process a little bit easier. 
So we need to think about how can we not just secure that individual transaction, but how can we secure that transaction regardless of where the user is, regardless of what devices they're using, and in fact, using multiple devices at the same time. So that's a mouthful, but I'm super excited about the results. That's a great example. Really interesting. I love it. So what other best practice advice or next steps would you offer to our listeners? One of the fun things about this area is that pieces of this are still super embryonic. So I talked about getting signals across the ecosystem, risk signals. That's one of the places where a number of uh, major players are working on open protocols and standards. So, for example, if your Google account is under attack, maybe they can pull the fire alarm to notify other systems because most people have a Google account. Most people have uh, banking notifications coming to that. If they know an account is under attack and then maybe even breached, maybe they can set off the alarm that then locks down other systems. In a workforce or employee scenario, though, one of the things I like about this is if you have a user that logs in every single day, 9 a.m. sharp, they go ahead and they log into like a Salesforce and they see, here are the deals I'm working on, whatever. If that user now downloads the entire sales database, that should be a red flag. That should be the kind of thing that freezes other systems and forces some sort of admin or some sort of additional security layer on top. I think we can do that on the customer identity space. So when somebody that we think is Barbara logs into your bank account and tries to send a wire transfer, when we go through that additional multi-factor aspect, if it fails, we should be able to set off an alarm to say, well, wait a second, something bad is happening here. Let's temporarily freeze all Barbara's accounts with us until we know something more. And yes, from a customer experience point, that is painful. Having your accounts locked even momentarily is, is painful and scary. But worse is not having that money. Having a, a down payment size withdrawal from your account is catastrophic. It, it would destroy many people. So in the spectrum between frustration and total destruction of your finances, I'll lean towards frustration any day. Yeah, I can't say I disagree. Um, Thank you. Before we continue our conversation, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. The C-Level Strategic Guide for Siam Investment Podcast is presented by CIO.com in partnership with Okta. Okta is the leading independent identity provider. The Okta Identity Cloud enables organizations to securely connect the right people to the right technologies at the right time. With more than 6,500 pre-built integrations to applications and infrastructure providers, Okta provides simple and secure access to people and organizations everywhere, giving them the confidence to reach their full potential. More than 9,400 organizations, including JetBlue, Nordstrom, Siemens, Slack, T-Mobile, Teach for America, and Twilio, trust Okta to help protect the identities of their workforces and their customers. Visit Okta.com. Now back to our show. Welcome back, everyone. We've been talking about phase four on the Siam maturity scale. I'd like to help bring that concept to life with a case study or a use case. Keith? Yeah, absolutely. So my favorite use cases here are all in banking. Um, we, ha- we have a few in healthcare, but banking really is kind of that visceral thing. Because when your account is compromised, that's, that's a terrifying moment. 
because you wonder, what do they have access to? What did they take? What are they going to take? How long have they had access? And so one of the customers we've worked with has implemented uh, what's called strong customer auth, so that when you do a, a transaction at the checkout, when you go to checkout from you know, whatever store you're at, if it's over a certain amount, it can automatically trigger a, a MFA uh, push notification. So, so it can say, hey, Barbara, you just spent $100 at this grocery store. Is this you? You being able to hit, yes, this is me, this, this is okay, ends up being really important because one, they can develop a, a better understanding of, of where you spend, how you spend, and two, it protects you. So when you're not at the grocery store and you get a notification of, hey, Barbara, did you just spend $1,000 at the grocery store? You can go, whoa, wait a second, this is bad. You can hit no, and instead of that transaction going through, it's immediately stopped, which now protected you as the user, protected the, the bank from uh, that complexity of having to go through it. And the third party protected was the merchant, because now the merchant, the grocery store, is not out $1,000 worth of groceries. They don't have to, to suffer through that, that pain of, of that whole process. This is the kind of thing that helps protect everyone involved and even the people that we don't normally think about, like that merchant. So when we're doing this stuff with customers, being able to make sure that we're, we're protecting all those layers ends up being really important. And frankly, I think we're just at the beginning of this. I think there's still so much to do. There's patterns that we can't even guess at right now that are going to drive these patterns uh, and, and drive the exploration around this. I'm really looking forward to the space as a whole. All right. Thanks. Really interesting. So any final closing thoughts for our listeners? Yes, absolutely. So I would say the single most important thing of all is don't go it alone. There is so much complexity here. There's so much understanding. Uh, there's so much connectivity required to have a good, clean, clear, safe vision of that customer and what they're trying to do. Doing it alone uh, puts you behind. Doing it alone means you're always trying to understand what's going on. So obviously from Octom biased, but being able to plug into that larger ecosystem of here's what we integrate with out of the box. Here are the open protocols we use to one, integrate into, and two, pull data out of ends up being really important. So if you're going it alone, you might get there. It's going to be painful. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of uh, rediscovering all the, the dead ends and the bad choices that we did a decade ago. Please don't. Find a good partner. Find somebody you trust. Extend and build on top of that and accomplish something bigger. You focus on what you're good at, and that's your application. All right. Thank you, Keith. That was a great discussion. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this latest episode in the C-Level Strategic Guide for Siam Investment podcast series. And I encourage you to explore all five episodes of our podcast. This podcast series is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. For more information, be sure to visit Okta.com. For IDG and Okta, I'm Barbara Call.
This podcast has been produced by IDG Communications Incorporated in association with Okta.